Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts with the Digital Workspace inner workings. So great to have you on the podcast, Patrick. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, it's wonderful to join. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, it's cool to be able to talk security with all the time. Awesome. So uh, would you mind giving just a quick intro to yourself? Yeah, so I've worked in security a while. Um, I came out of the IT industry and spent some time at last seven or eight years at Duo Security. Uh, building and scaling um, usable access security with their uh, two-factor authentication product that we worked on and, uh, you know, helped uh, implement it with customers uh, in the U.S., moved to Europe for a, a stint uh, and helped scale the, the business there and then moved to back home in, in Michigan. And uh, uh, we got acquired by Cisco and um, helped with the zero trust strategy there. And then uh, recently, about a, a year ago, uh, next week, uh, joined Blue Mira uh, to work on a different area in security, making it uh, uh, easy to do security operations and uh, help customers get detection controls in place. So it's fun. Yeah, it's great. So I guess you were at Duo uh, through all that that growth phase that must have been Exciting. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, at Duo, I think, I think I was like 12th employee really early on. So wow. got to see a lot of the early foundation of, you know, understanding customers needs, adjusting and working with the product and engineering teams on what needed to be done to, to help address uh, scale and, and make an effective tool for uh, organizations of any size to be able to use. So it was, it was pretty exciting. Sounds like it. So, and, and now you're based in, in Michigan. Are you in the Ann Arbor area as well? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like Ann Arbor is a pretty big hotspot, um, uh, for tech security. Uh, so yes, we're, we're based in Ann Arbor. Um, it was kind of funny when we did have an office right now, we're, we're kind of remote, yeah. but, uh, it was, it was about a block from duo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, you guys are are down there and then also um uh census is another one that's that's on the same block so it's quite quite exciting to see everything develop and i think deep filled in in arbor as well um nearby now are you are you a coffee drinker a tea drinker yeah which 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 is which of the downtown (laughs) spots do you prefer oh there's one i love and then i won't talk about the other one uh you gotta guess which one i love uh, well, I'm a big Ruse Roast fan, so yes, that would be yes. my pick. Yeah, yeah, Ruse Roast. <laughs> That's my um, my favorite lobster butter. Uh, oh, good, great, great, um, a great team there. And I have a favorite barista. I don't know if you know Kay. <laughs> I don't. I guess I'm not not deep enough of a fan. Maybe by appearance, but not name. Yeah, she's great. If you ever in Ann Arbor, go to Ruse Roast and ask for Kay and give her a good tip. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Now you have two, two endorsements there for that excellent coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I guess, you know, let's get into the, the topic of the day. So 
we had chatted a little bit about what might be interesting to speak about. And um, you mentioned that there's sort of these top areas of um, security risks that people might be overlooking going into 2021. So I thought we could, you know, go through that list and uncover what could be interesting for folks to learn about and, you know, maybe even some advice on how to avoid these risks uh, going into the new year. So the first one was around ransomware becoming more sophisticated. And I was thinking, yeah, of course we've seen, there's a lot of news in the past few weeks about obviously the solar wind, solar winds breach and the ransomware with that. Um, Is that the kind of attack that you see becoming more prevalent or did you have another thought there? Yeah, I think a few different things. Um, and, and a little bit a little bit of difference. Solar winds is, is a whole nother uh, ball of wax. Uh, gotcha. being on the being on the sub supply chain side of like code um, and what's going on there. And cer- certainly I think it's important to think about, hey, am I at risk? Uh, it's also took a long time and a high level of sophistication to even detect and figure out that. Uh, something was going on with solar winds and, and solar winds is used everywhere. So certainly, certainly something this year to look out for is, is how do I mitigate? And a lot of people are more or less just going, how do I find an alternative solution to solar winds? Right. Would be, be one consideration patching it. Um, but I think people are more concerned in that area of like the software that they're using and making sure their partners and their vendors are, uh, are securing it properly and adequately, and it doesn't have that risk. Uh, it's something we really we've never seen before um, to this extent. I think on the on the ransomware side, right? Uh, the ransomware side we've been seeing for years now, and and things like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin are really what have enabled that. And the the reality is, is like they're not very sophisticated attacks. Typically, they're just looking for low hanging fruit and easiest ways to get into environments and deploy. Because the reality is the goal is just to lock up whatever organization's um, servers and infrastructure and trying to, you know, uh, get money out of them to return it into a usable state. So, yeah, big, big theme um, that I think, you know, people overlook is it's the ransomware attacks are becoming more sophisticated and they're not just targeting servers. They're starting to target uh, virtualization infrastructure like VMware, storage arrays, uh, and really across the any environment that they can get a foothold in. Um, and you know, I think in in the future we'll con- continue to see more and more sophistication as far as how they're going about it. Uh, but also, there's more people out there that maybe might not be working because of COVID, mm-hmm. uh, and they might turn to other ways to make money, uh, which ransomware is one way to do that. Um, and, and you can do it from home with a computer. You don't need much more than that. Yeah, I've certainly, um, you know, heard a little bit about around that, just around, you know, increased phishing attempts, both because people are sort of their guard might be lowered from working at home and, you know, not being as careful as if they were in the office, but then also people being a little bit more desperate and maybe driving them to, um, you know, do more malicious things. So. Yep. Yeah. And, and certainly as you look like if the economy goes down and people aren't working and, and we see unemployment rate going up right now, right. Or it has gone up and is coming back down. 
those people don't might not have anything to do. So like now that I don't have anything to do, let me go research how to do something else. And oh, it's a it's a great way to make an income, not legally, um, but it, it can be an alternative way for someone to make money. Uh, that's a reality nowadays. So that really changes changes things um, uh, from an from an attacker perspective and a defense perspective. Do you have any thoughts around what organizations um, can do or where, where they should be looking out for or areas they should be strengthening? Like, what would your um, recommendation be for a response to a rise in ransomware threats? Yeah, I, th- I think the reality, what we find is um, most ransomware attacks could could be prevented. Um, uh, and there's really a few different things. Number one is having the right prevention controls in place. So uh, something like two-factor authentication uh, still often doesn't go deployed. Um, and it's not just that it doesn't get deployed within a, a company. It might also not get deployed to all their applications and services. So like... It's just not effective if you don't use it to the full extent. Um, the other the other things are make, you know making sure you have next gen firewall, uh, making sure you have adequate cloud security controls in place uh, from an access perspective, um, and also monitoring for things like uh, do you have RDP exposed to the internet? Um, that that's a good example where like if you have a service that's available on the internet that you could exploit easily, people are going to use that as a way into your environment. Um, and then the the last thing I would say just in general is people have a lack of any detection capabilities for things like password spraying, internal recon scanning, really early stage parts of an attack that if if you don't have adequate detection in place, you can't do anything about and you don't even know. Um, so those are the those are the types of things where it's making sure a customer gets to a baseline can really change the game, whether someone can reach a host itself even to deploy ransomware. Um, and then, of course, on the host itself, everyone should be looking at uh, tools like a, a EDR, uh, 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 which is kind of looking for anomalies on that device of when ransomware might actually go deployed. Uh, and that's late stage in the attack. And now um, the second risk that you had identified was endpoints going unpatched um, and remaining vulnerable. Would you like to dig into that one a little bit? Yeah, on the on the endpoint side, and I kind of, this, this segues well, I talked about EDR, right? So EDR is designed to kind of like, look for indicators of potential compromise or things that might be going wrong on an endpoint or device, and then you can contain it so it doesn't spread across your environment. Um, you know, very, very similarly across the, uh, a company's environment, making sure that endpoints, servers, anything that has software on it goes patched and is up to date is particularly important. And, you know, that starts with the foundation of making sure that you have a great patch management program. Uh, you're making sure that um, your devices are staying up to date. You're doing vulnerability scanning to sh- see where there might be a real risk. And so, yeah, often, often, you know, an exploit might be run on a Windows host uh, that works because a patch wasn't applied. Um, and it's that it's it's really that simple, uh, and it's a way for an attacker to get into a customer's environment. 
Yeah, certainly. And I think, you know, something that can prevent organizations sometimes from applying those patches as readily is just the fear of how they're, how they'll impact the rest of the environment. You know, if I, when we apply this patch, are we going to have some unexpected performance problem? How are we going to deal with the blowback from that? Um, so I guess in uh, relatedly, I think um, it's important to be able to, you know, have a monitoring system in place to detect those issues early. And that's sort of, you know, that's more of like how we deal with things in my world is just um, finding the correlations, right? So um, when a patch is applied, correlating that to any problems that might be cropping up so you can go after those proactively. And of course, you know, most organizations are rolling these things out in, in rings, right? So you'll have, um, you know, when you have that, those test group of users to be able to check, you know, the results of that security patch in your environment and, and fix any problems there. So you can um, apply those patches and stay up to date to prevent that uh, vulnerability. Yeah. And I, th I think that's, you know, key what you're talking about. And it ranges, you know, when you're looking at different size customers, like, some customers don't even have the time or resources to make sure patching is happening, or they might have systems that uh, can't go patched. I know in industrial control systems, a lot of times that might be uh, uh, an environment where it, it could be a full system that needs to be replaced to change out the system. So it's not always that a customer has full choice and control. And I think like being able to monitor so you can update faster, right? Mm -hmm. uh, is a huge, um, a huge value add for, for organizations so that they can stay up to date and reduce that, that type of risk. So, um, so the third one would be collaboration suites are, um, a key target. And, you know, I think we've seen obviously with the shift to remote work, a huge, um, rise in the use of, you know, both Office 365 and G Suite and then all the unified comms tools um, to keep people connected and collaborative. And of course, that has huge productivity benefits. But um, as you know, as with anything, the more people are on it, the more attackers are going to take notice and look for ways to exploit. Yeah, and it's it's pretty interesting there, right, with with things like Office 365 and G Suite, like the accessibility of it, right? Um, so first off, making sure that people that are logging in have two-factor enabled um, is, is critical there. Um, but yeah, essentially the collaboration suite becomes the central hub of a company. Um, and so, you know, attackers have gotten pretty sophisticated where they're looking at things like, well, if I log into an email account, what can I actually do with it? Well, all the email in there is one thing that's valuable um, access to other productivity tools. So there could be financial statements also commonly used for resetting passwords, uh, getting access to other systems. Um, and so phishing campaigns, um, often are trying to gain access into these different, different systems as well. But people, you know, the attackers do simple things. Well, I don't want to actually, if I get in, I don't want to disrupt my access to all this. So what if I just forward all the email and make a copy of it to myself and I can look at it whenever it's convenient to me. So you look at the ability to do things like data exfiltration uh, that go undetected because people don't realize I still see my email, but it's also getting forwarded to someone else. Um, or, 
you know, maybe someone shared a document externally. Uh, should it have actually been shared externally with someone outside the company? So you can do things so easily because that's the way these these tools were designed to do. However, there's inherent risk and in, in most organizations aren't looking at those things. Um, and that's an area where we, we help a lot of customers with our product to, to make them informed when people make changes uh, like email forwarding to a rule that, mm. that could result in, in data exfiltration, right? Is part of that, is it, um, is there like a pattern detection element too? Or how, how would you, how can you tell, you know, if someone is, um, you know, maybe forwarding a document or, you know, giving permissions it's, that shouldn't be there? How do you detect that? Yeah, it's it's really a, a good question because like a lot of people think, oh, you need ML or AI to actually detect this stuff. It's actually really simple. Mm -hmm. um, uh, these things happen, but like it's not normal for someone to configure email forwarding. Like if you're forwarding your work email, like that's not a normal thing to be doing. You can have a static rule to detect something like that. Uh, and most things actually can be detected the most common pieces of attacks can be detected via static rules um, uh, is what I would say. Now, as you're getting, if you're getting into like monitoring actual email coming in and trying to look for different patterns of email, uh, that's a little bit different case, but hey, is someone logging in from somewhere they haven't before? That might be an indicator that's pretty static and, and simple to, to look at and detect. Uh, and so it really just depends, like uh, geo-impossible logins are, are, are two people logging in the same account from different locations near the same time, um, uh, of what techniques you would use to detect those things. But the reality is, is most people aren't detecting anything um or looking at anything and and that's one of the big uh issues is it's it's been traditionally really hard to get those types of controls and visibility in place um uh is is just the time to do it mm -hmm. and i think related to this topic is um the next i guess trend security trend um which was the move to the cloud and remote work, increasing external exposure. So of course we've talked about how, you know, on the collaboration suite side, but of course there's a whole broad host of cloud services that, you know, organizations use day in and day out for productivity. So I guess, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, first off, every, yeah, everyone's like, oh, we're not going to have an off, not everyone, but maybe we don't have an office. Maybe we don't need uh, on-premise stuff anymore. We're using SaaS apps. We're using cloud infrastructure. Uh, people are working from home. There's a lot of different uh, risks. Like we accelerated a five to 10 year roadmap to migrate to the cloud and remote work down to like six to 12 months with yeah. COVID. Um, and so inherently that just comes with a ton of risk. Um, and so, yeah, a few, a few things like remote work wise, I'm, I'm in an office actually that I got myself outside the home, but yeah. How many people are, are have kids, right? Uh, I have kids. How many are letting them use their work laptop or how many are using their personal device to access work stuff? And the kids, what do they do? They go, Hey, I want to download this game. I want to install this extension and they click everything and they get excited about it and they should, they're genuinely curious kids. Uh, but most likely, right. It ends up resulting in malware, um, or access to other things that could be malicious, um, that, that inherently then put the business at risk. 
Um, so I think that's one, one angle to look at, right, from a risk perspective. And then the other side is moving applications or servers into the cloud. Like most organizations and people that are doing that have an on-premise environment and it's their first time configuring Azure or AWS or, or GCP. And there is, there is so much room for error uh, with these systems, right? Uh, with how they can be configured and the wonderful things that they can do that inherently they end up exposing their their secrets. They end up exposing their servers and their infrastructure. And it just makes it really easy for, for an attacker to gain access and get a foothold. There's this great cartoon. I don't know if you've uh, come across it, but um, I think it's like enterprise legacy moved the cloud and it has these like sysadmin um, or like cloud admin wizards attacking this huge dragon. And then it has like startup move to the cloud. And it's just like a little bird that just like, they're like, fly free. Um, yeah. <laughs> that came to mind when you were describing some of the complexities there. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure uh, obviously a lot, a lot of, a lot of change that um, I think the industry has been you know, predicting for a while, obviously we're move, we're moving in the direction of cloud, you know, all that stuff has been happening, but you're totally right in that the time frame got shortened so drastically. And even things like, you know, having to rely on BYOD hardware and, you know, employees using their laptops at home because, oh no, we had them, you know, in the office on desktops or some other form of hardware that, you know, they can't take home with them and, but they still need to do work, obviously. So and no one can buy laptops because all the laptops have been bought out. And yeah. yeah, yeah, and my kids are at home, so they need to be on a device, right? So it's just so many things that a lot of people don't have full control over um, uh, that that just increase the the risk. And then I I do think like you know certainly people not working. I mentioned earlier you likely have more people that are kind of curious and getting into security and might use what they learn to do bad because they can't get a job. Um, you know, just, just thinking out loud of some of the different circumstances people are put in during these times. So um, yeah, it is, it is, it is really um, a, a unique time uh, for security in general with, with that. Yeah. I guess along, along the lines of, um, I know I asked this earlier, but I think the remote work, yeah, obviously, you know, a lot of, a lot of organizations will continue to, have to, you know, be in that mode through first half 2021. I mean, who knows a lot of, you know, people are talking about, you know, now we can downsize our real estate and never go back to the office. You know, it could be a permanent reality um, for some companies or, you know, some somewhere in between some hybrid model. Are there, are there areas where, you know, do you have recommendations on where they should be looking to Im improve their security posture for their remote work or cloud? Use yeah. I mean, separate devices, get a device for your kids. Don't let them on your mobile devices. Don't let them on your uh, laptops, desktops for work. Uh, it's just going to result in something bad. Um, and I can, you know, I can, I can tell you that over and over again. Uh, use two-factor on all your personal accounts. Use it on your corporate accounts, um, uh, you know, from a work-from-home perspective. Uh, make sure that you have a firewall in place. Um, uh, usually your router has that built in if you're if you're using a router with your uh, Comcast or internet connection. Um, those are those are some of the basics. Make sure you set uh, pass, you know, passcodes, face ID, touch ID, 
don't share those codes with your kids. <laughs> um, there's just so much on devices nowadays, especially mm-hmm. even on the mobile side. So yeah, those, those are some of the tips I would say that are like really low hanging fruit and then keep the devices up to date. Make sure you go to the software update button and make sure it's actually working from time and time uh, or from time to time. Cause that's really going to be a, a big differentiator is making sure your devices are also up to date. Definitely. And I think, you know, there's the added benefit there too. If you lock your kids out, they're not going to, um, you know, spend a bunch of money on some, um, you know, mobile, mobile game with microtransactions either. So you get, yep. get multiple benefits from that. Um, all right. And so the, the last one on our list was, um, that misconfiguration continues to introduce some um, some big risks. So I'll let you take that one away. Yeah, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but like continually we see customers and organizations that they misconfigure a server, it's out on the internet and it shouldn't be, uh, it's not up to date, uh, the protocols they're using aren't secure, uh, they don't use two-factor authentication. Um, uh, you know, just there's so many variables going in in regards to misconfiguration on the cloud side. Uh, they're not using hardened keys for their cloud infrastructure. Um, they're not using disk encryption, you know, just best practices, common best practices. And it's hard because it's like there are a lot of things you got to look at from a best practice perspective. But yeah, I think we will just continue to see misconfiguration being the the top thing that impacts people. And so it's, well, monitor for misconfigurations, review things to make sure they're configured and um, and maintained properly, Uh, revoke people's access when they leave the company. Um, There's just a lot of of things to consider there, but it it will continue to happen. There's so much room for error in IT. Um, And so, you know, I think an important thing is if you can monitor for some of these things, that's a really good approach. And that's, that's one of the areas I kind of talked about with detection, but also mm-hmm. looking for things that might be misconfigured that, that end up leading to a incident or a breach are, are particularly important in that regards. And it becomes even more important once you start getting into like cloud infrastructure as well. Um, Cause inherently you can, you can easily misconfigure those types of things. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're right. The ability to, monitor and detect them because if, if you don't if you don't do those things and you don't have something that can help you percolate up those insights a lot of these things i think um you know it's, it's very challenging until until you um you know find out the unfortunate way to know that there was something yeah. wrong there yep and i think a lot of times like yeah it's ransomware <laughs> yeah. by and far that's the mo- going to be the most common and i think people people sometimes too one thing i talk about a lot is like they get they get sensationalized with the news of like an, an advanced persistent threat or these crazy one-time things. Solar winds is I think another example of that. Mm-hmm. It's like no one was going to prevent this other than solar winds. Um, uh, is there is is more or less the reality in these cases? And so it's like if you optimize to try and prevent that stuff, and you're not optimizing to prevent the low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're more or less doing yourself a disfavor. And I think that's the that's the thing we've seen time and time again is people chase the unlikely over making sure that they have the basics right. Um, 
uh, it's my, my biggest viewpoint there. Well, this has all been super interesting, Patrick. And thanks again for joining me for this conversation. Yeah, it's been a joy. Uh, it's fun to talk about these, these different, um, you know, overlooked security risks within uh, the world today. It's a, it's a real problem to be tackled. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, you know, as the world continues to be a little bit wonky um, and unpredictable, super important to stay on top of, of these areas. So I guess um, as we close out here, we're there. Is there anything you have coming up that you think uh, is related to any of this that people should be maybe uh, looking out for and, you know, where can people get in touch with you? Yeah, certainly. So I'd say, you know, one thing is a lot of people don't have the capabilities to do uh, detection within their environment. Our, what our product is designed is to help uh, deploy uh, effective threat detection and response in a matter of an hour or two without requiring someone to have a deep level of security expertise. Um, so as far as things coming up, uh, we've really, you know, locked down and helping customers with cloud applications and, and services. We do have uh, Amazon Web Services that we're adding pretty soon, uh, which I'm excited about, uh, and, and continuing to add value across the customer's environment. So um, that's probably the biggest, you know, some of the biggest thing that I'm, I'm excited about coming up. And we are, as far as being able to find us, um, you can go to bluemira.com, B-L-U-M-I-R-A.com. And uh, we do offer the capability to deploy a free trial of our product. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things in, in tech is it's a product that can be deployed in a matter of hours, right? Uh, so it doesn't require a ton of time to, to evaluate and give it a try. Awesome. Well, um, thanks again for this conversation. Yeah, thank you. That was great. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.